Welcome to the My Faith Votes podcast. I'm Jason Yates. I am both excited and honored to bring you this next conversation. It's with a man who has had immense influence over our nation and, frankly, the nations of the world. He's been a CIA director. He's been Secretary of State. I'm talking about Mike Pompeo. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with Mike, and we discussed a lot of different issues that I know you're going to find really fascinating. What I found really fascinating is how his faith has been a part of his life, an integral part of his life, and how it's influenced his roles in the United States. I know you're going to enjoy this and find it really informative. Thanks for listening. I just want to thank you for making the time, Mike Pompeo, yeah, it's great and to being be with here you. with us. I'm and looking forward to our conversation. We have uh, lots of people who I know are very interested in this conversation, and getting your insights on what's happening in the world today. First, I just want to thank you. Thank you for the role that you have played uh, throughout your career, but I think especially in the last four years um, and the difference you have made. Well, it was an incredible privilege, the chance to serve the country uh, and to be able to do it in a country where I was able to every day talk about the fact that the, my faith informs who I am and how I think about the world. Yeah. Uh, one could never take that privilege lightly, and, and I didn't. I went and I, I grinded every day to try and deliver on behalf of the American people. And we didn't get it right every day and always, but we always had his, his nobler mission. Uh, my understanding of our Judeo-Christian founding at the center of making sure that we took care of America first. Mm. I want to ask you a lot of questions. So we're going to do a little bit of rapid fire about right, a few I'll, things. I'll, I know I'll, we don't have a lot of time. We'll so, have, we'll get through it. so one of the things that I know that was really impactful, at least we heard a lot. Um, and, and let me step back and say, I think there are a number of Christians today that are very concerned about this topic of religious freedom. They're mm-hmm. seeing, seeing threats um, and knowing the foundation of our nation. Yet, in, in your role as secretary, you uh, were very involved with establishing the first ever ministerial for religious freedom for all. Um, now, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are not even aware, aware of what this word ministerial means, yeah, so they're sure. confused by that. Yeah. But, uh, Tell us about this. What is the what was the vision, and was it successful? What kind of impact has it had? So ministerial is just a fancy word for a meeting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a, a meeting often at the foreign minister level. So as the secretary of state, other countries call them their foreign minister. Yeah. But frankly, we brought people in uh, from all across the world for what were the largest human rights events in the history of the United States State Department. And we gathered them around the central thesis of the fact that the world will be better off if people, wherever they are, and whatever faith they practice, have the capacity to be faithful to their creator, their maker, their version, their vision. And if you don't want to practice that faith, fine, you should have the right in every place to do that. Because we, we knew it. The, the central premise was right from the Bible. Every human being is created in the image of God. And that means they need to have the freedom to practice, uh, to exercise their conscience rights in their faith. And so we, you, you, it's hard to believe, but after 240 years, we'd, we'd never done this. We gathered uh, imams and clerics and pastors and Catholic priests and uh, foreign ministers, people from all across America for three days at the State Department to talk about religious freedom and how in their country they could increase the scope of that. 
and how they could help be part of an alliance all across the world to increase the capacity for religious freedom. We had a real impact. They were. Uh, it's one of the things I'm most proud of, frankly. Um, I, I don't know if the next administration will keep doing these. I, I pray that they will because they were important as a diplomatic matter in addition to uh, a matter of increased stability and prosperity around the world. Uh, but if they don't, I, I hope somewhere else that we will pick up the cudgel. This, this gathering needs, this fellowship was so important to change the lives of people. We could talk about uh, persecuted Christians in northern Iraq. We could talk about the persecuted Muslims in western China, the Uyghurs. Uh, we, we, and then develop plans how we could work together to reduce that risk and reduce that, uh, that disharmony with his word. Yeah, were, were there any surprises in terms of who participated? You know, it's a great question. Yeah. It, it was controversial in so many ways at the State Department, right? The State Department wants to dissect, tear apart, right, state and church, and I, I, that's just foolish and not what our Constitution requires and not good for America. But we invited some people to come who wanted to be there, who you might think about from your days in high school, and somebody got the most improved player, <laughs> where you would stare at religious freedom inside the country and you knew it wasn't in a good place, but they wanted to do better. They wanted to know how to do better. So we said, if you want to be here, if you're coming in, 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 in sincerity, uh, we want you to be part of this. And so we brought in countries where it was pretty tough and the leadership had not permitted religious freedom but that wanted to go the right way. It was really powerful to see them there, to see them see how these other countries had handled this issue 20 or 50 or 100 years before in their nation's history as well. Well, we, we know that there are threats to religious freedom. There are threats in other ways across the world. Um, when you evaluate and assess the threats overall across all the countries, where, which countries would you say are most threatening to the world and or to the United States? Well, goodness, you mean from a religious freedom perspective or Not more necessarily. broadly? necessarily. Yeah, I'll let you define yeah. it well, in the way you, you know, would think it, it's, it. It's interesting. The threats to America often come from countries with horrible human rights records and who have absolutely no religious freedom. So if I went through the list, we worked on North Korea that is on the, uh, on the cusp of being able to have a weapons program that could fundamentally change right. the world. Uh, no religious freedom inside of North Korea. Uh, we worked on Iran, a place which is a, a theocracy by name, but a revolution in fact, with a ruling elite that just stomp out religious freedom for their own people at home. And of course, the, the 1.4 billion person Chinese Communist Party uh, has denied Catholics, they've torn down Christian churches, the, the, the Christian church is horribly persecuted there. We know what's happening in the West. I mean, what's happening to the, those Uyghur peoples, Turkish, Muslim people, mostly rivals what happened in the 1930s. We said we would never let this happen again. It's happening on our watch. Uh, we need to be vigilant about demanding that the Chinese Communist Party change its way. And those no religious freedom also present real risks to the United States. The only one of those nations that actually, uh, that actually can change our way of life here in the United States over the long run is the Chinese Communist Party. They have the scale, they have the size, they have the intention to be a global hegemonic power, and they want us to live in a world that is free of faith and where government and tyranny and authoritarianism are the rule of the day. We, we can't let that happen. Um, what do you see with the current administration, either um, uh, in relations with China? Um, are, do you see improvements in 
in the policies that they're establishing? It's a little early to tell. Okay. Their rhetoric has been good. They've actually taken some actions that I think are important. Mm -hmm. uh, Secretary Blinken, who followed me, uh, confirmed what I'd said about the genocide that is taking place in Western China. That's important. That continuity matters. The world stands up and takes notice when a conservative Republican and a Democrat Secretary of State both acknowledge both reality, calling both calling this out. So I, I want to give them all the credit for that. Their, their language has been pretty good. But when you think of China as a challenger, as President Biden has described it, right, we're challenged by the Canadians, right? They compete with us for lumber sales, or we're challenged, we're challenged by the Dutch uh, for tulip imports, right? The Chinese Communist Party isn't a challenge. They are an adversary because they have said so. They've stolen tens of millions of American jobs and billions of dollars worth of property that belong to Americans, and we turned the other cheek. And then two, they're inside the gates. Uh, we closed, we made the decision to close the consulate in Houston, Texas, because there were huge spy operations taking place, or Chinese spy operations. Uh, this is the kind of thing that a, a nation of their size and scale can engage in, and we need to be fearless in confronting it. And when we do, we will gather like-minded nations around the world who will come alongside of us, and we won't live in a a Marxist-Leninist, uh, Maoist understanding about human nature. Sure, sure. One of the countries you also mentioned was Iran. Um, I think to the Middle, Middle East. And uh, Christian voters care a lot, right, about Israel and what's happening in Israel. A lot's happening in Israel lately. Um, there has been uh, the recent elections now First time ever, we have Arabs part of the ruling government in Israel, right? Uh, we have the recent mis missile attacks. Uh, we have the new elections in Iran. We have uh, the negotiations that are attempting to be uh, brought back uh, with Iran around the nuclear weapons uh, and their ability to obtain them. All this on the backdrop of some uh, the Abraham Accords. I don't know. I, I guess my question is, how do you, how do you, what's happening in terms of that? All of the, you know, how do you assess the current state within Israel and the threat from Iran, yeah. which I think is most uh, problematic for Israel more than anything else. Yeah. No, undoubtedly, the, we recognize the, the central nature of the instability that the Iranian regime created to the Middle East. It was fundamental to how our administration thought about this. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the current administration has a different view of this. They believe they can negotiate a change in Iranian behavior. It's just, these are an ideal, it's ideological. Just listen to them. They talk about the elimination of Israel, the little Satan, right? They, to this day, right? Rahisi has spoken about the Ayatollah speaks about this. Uh, they applauded what Hamas did when they fired rockets into Israel. Uh, we weren't naive about that. I think this administration has taken this nuclear deal and, and built it into an article of faith. This is, this is dangerous for Israel. It's dangerous for the United States of America. It is dangerous for the Gulf states. We took an entirely different approach. We, we built the foundation of our policy on our relationship with Israel. We established our embassy there in Jerusalem, moved it from Tel Aviv. We acknowledged that the Sovereign rights to the Golan Heights belong to the Israelis. I made a statement that upended decades of State Department policy that essentially said, said what's common sense, right? Israel's not an occupying 
force in their country. Uh, These things built up confidence with the Israelis. It also made Gulf Arab states recognize that we were serious about this. They then concluded we were serious about pushing back against Iran. And this is what was the foundational work, right? When we struck Qasem Soleimani, we demonstrated that when there was a terrorist that threatened the United States and threatened instability in the Middle East, that we were going America was going to do its part to protect and secure. And we did that. And that enabled these remarkable leaders, President Trump, Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, Mohammed bin Zayed in the Emirates, the Bahraini, Moroccan, Sudanese leaders, to acknowledge reality too, which is that Israel is rightfully there on that land and to create peace with them and to no longer build their foreign policy on the elimination of Israel from the face of the earth. Uh, truly historic. Uh, I, I regret that this administration, this administration is upending much of that. When I think about Christians in the Middle East, when I think about religious minorities, Yazidis and others in the Middle East, they were better off because of the peace work that we did the work that we did to sustain religious freedom in these places. And when we found a regime, a regime like the Iranian regime that had no tolerance, that behaved in ways against its own people and that, uh, that were abhorrent violations of human rights, right, still holding Americans prisoner and engaged in malign activity abroad by arming Hamas, arming Hezbollah, arming the Houthi militias in Yemen, we denied them their resources that they needed to sustain that terror footprint. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the work we did. I, I think the nations in the region came to understand that isolating Iran in that way benefited their people. And I'm very hopeful that history will reflect well on what we did and that the legacy we left will continue. As Christians uh, think about the support and partnership with the country of Israel um, that America has, um, what, what would you hope that they know or understand as it might impact the way that they vote in future elections. Yes, well, we can see that elections matter. Yeah. Right? The, President Biden chose not to, to speak with Prime Minister Netanyahu for quite some time. Uh, and when push came to shove, when there were rockets falling in Ashkelon and in Tel Aviv, uh, they, they said the right words in the Biden administration, for which I applaud them. But there was always some doubt. And in big swaths of the Democrat Party, they created a false equivalence, right? We saw it most, most ardently in the words of Elon Omar, who tried to create an equivalence between Hamas and the Taliban with the equivalence of the United States and Israel. I mean, that's, that's dangerous, it's immoral. Uh, the leaders that we select need to understand this deep history between our two countries as a practical, pragmatic security matter, and then certainly as Jews and Christians to honor America's Judeo-Christian history as well. Our Judeo-Christian history is something that people of faith care much about. It's, it's, uh, they understand the principles that built yeah. our nation. Yes. I'd like to turn a little bit to your faith um, and topic of that. Share with us how your faith has led you, has influenced decisions you have made throughout your career as, as within the CIA or as secretary, how has that guided you? So, you know, uh, it, it informs everything that I do, right? It's, but my central understanding is a biblical understanding of history uh, and certainly of my faith as well. So as a practical matter, I tried to get to the Bible every day. I had one open on my desk that drove the New York Times just absolutely batty. Uh, and frankly, I think it bothered some of the folks at the State Department too. Uh, but 
be that as it may, uh, it, was the, it, was, it was who I was. And I wanted people to know who I was so they could understand me, like me, not like me. It's important that people understand who you are. Uh, you know, inside the organizations that I ran, I, I must tell you, I can't tell you how many people said thank you. Thank you for openly professing your faith. By the way, not just Christians, people who have no faith, is Muslims who were working for me at the CIA came to understand that I was a person that was disciplined in his own faith. Not that I got it right every day, we are all sinners, yes. uh, but, that, but that I was disciplined about it and tried and tried to learn and to listen uh, in, in my faith. Uh, and so it certainly played a part in my role as a leader of those institutions, but then on the world stage as well. Uh, bringing that understanding about respect for every human being and uh, while we put America first, we care about every human built out a human rights policy for the United States during our four years that I think uh, made others around the world stand up and take notice of what it was we were doing. And I, I pray give America the standing, the moral standing that it has had for an awfully long time in the world. We are unapologetically American in the way we think about our policies but equally committed to making sure that we do everything we can to make that the lives of people all around the world are a little bit freer and a little bit more prosperous. I attended a meeting that you spoke at a couple months ago. Uh, in there you gave a personal story. You, you used the word a minute ago of unapologetic. You shared, you shared about a speech that uh, you had written in the opening line, I am a follower of Christ. Um, and that's, it, it was a national speech that you were giving. And your staff had scratched that yeah, out yeah. And, and you put it back in and they came back and scratched it out again. <laughs> and and um, you, you are unapologetic about your faith. Thank you for that. It's a great example, a great testimony. You shared that story in relation to another phrase that you have used in the past. You shared it at this uh, meeting that I was at with you, uh, you said, never give an inch. Yeah. And I think that's a bit of where you were saying, you weren't giving an inch with your staff or with <laughs> others, you are unapologetic. Um, and I think that's the, f the, the context in which you mean that, but explain that yeah, a little yeah. bit more. And it, my question to you is, is that a leadership principle or is that just an abiding um, uh, philosophy for this current time because of the time that we're in? Boy, it's a little bit of both, okay. I think, or a little bit of each. It's not about you can't find a place to compromise, right? Yeah. We can all find a place in the middle on, on things of the day, but on the things that matter most, mm -hmm. the things for which that, that shape us and make us, whether that's individually or America as a nation, you can't give an inch because they are true because it's not a matter of black or, or, or gray or blending. It is a matter of truth, and you have to speak to this truthfully. And so you can't give an inch, and we know this too. If you give an inch to the secular left, they will take a foot and a mile, and a, they will run a marathon through the gap that you create. And also, when I think about never giving an inch, what I truly mean is we should do this with kindness. We should do this with Jesus, in our, Jesus Christ in our hearts but we should stand firm on that ground that we know to be true. And when you believe it, when you come to understand it this way, you, you can't give an inch because there's no place to compromise on his word. 
uh, we can negotiate whether the price of tea is going to be six, our tariff is going to be six cents or seven cents, right? Uh, this is diplomacy and pra pragmatism. But on the things that matter, the things that are at the center of our national founding and who we are as human beings, there's simply no room to give an inch. Well, Secretary Pompeo, thank you for your time, making some time for us and with us. I know that there are so many people that are appreciative of your service um, and sharing uh, just a little bit of what has informed you. And, um, and, and I know they wish you well in all your uh, future endeavors. Great. Bless you. So thank thank you. you. Thank you for what you're doing here, too. Important work. I don't know about you, but I take great comfort in knowing that there are men and women like Mike Pompeo in government who see the world through a biblical lens and fear God. They're taking every opportunity to influence the world through their faith in critical conversations on a, and on issues that really matter. Thanks for listening and joining us for this conversation. You can hear other conversations like this one, just visit us at myfaithvotes.org. Thanks for joining.